Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show everybody welcome back to episode 311 of the black and gold podcast i'm your host steve forney it's a pleasure to have everybody uh listening and on board happy new year um mark as always it's great to have you uh, on board and much like the band 311 and episode 311 uh it's a grassroots thing here isn't it uh, mark absolutely uh, absolutely great to be back um talking boston Bruins hockey once again and um, I'm really super stoked to end 2022 with my boy down here. Mr. Dom Tiano is back in the house. Dom, how are we doing, buddy? Oh, we're doing okay, boys. Doing okay. Um, one day at a time. That's all we can do. Mm. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's great to hear your voice. It's great to have you here. And, and Dom, as I, I mentioned to Mark a couple of weeks ago, it's 
we're very blessed to have with this fan base people like you who uh, always sort of have your ear on the rail, whether it's not just the team in Boston, but um, uh, all across really North America, keeping track of all the prospects and everybody else that's involved in the organization. Um, not every fan base has this kind of loyalty and this kind of following. And um, so I always appreciate your work and I'm very grateful to have you as a resource um, for all things Bruins. So it's nice to, nice to have you on board. We appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate that, Steve. And, you know, um, I've caught the episodes, uh, the podcast, when I haven't been able to be here. Uh, I think most of the people know what I've been through. Um, you know, uh, can't wait to get uh, our boy Kevin back. But, yes. you know, still a wealth of information here. So, um you know, fans should be appreciative of everybody, not just one or two of us. Um, as always, uh, we will say uh, the episode today powered by our friends at betonline.ag. Uh, don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. Um, and again, obviously a, uh, a big time weekend of sports coming up here. We got the winter classics. We got bowl games. We got the NFL. We got all kinds of stuff going on. So uh, betonline.ag is your spot. And again, that promo code CLNS50 uh, will be a big help for us. Uh, we do take uh, calls as well. In fact, we have a, we have three messages today, which we will get to, but you can always give us a call on our hotline number 978-504-2727. If you have any uh, thoughts, questions, hot takes, um, you can leave us those voicemails and we will get back uh, and give those a listen, give those a, a playback. Um uh, the next show. So uh, feel free to keep that in mind and, and do that as well. Uh, everybody, I assume, I hope had a good, uh, had a good Christmas. Uh, I know I had, uh, I got two kids under five who just found out they were taking them to Disney world in February and they were stoked. Nice. So um, I certainly had a good Christmas myself. How about you guys? Well, the, the weather, I sent pictures to Mark. So he knows what I'm talking about. The oh, weather yeah. kept us, uh, locked up at home um you couldn't get to family outside of of town for three days um for two days i guess so our original plans were ruined for christmas and boxing day so you know we 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 managed to to get by with some smaller parties mark will also tell you that when i'm in public i should be wearing a mask everywhere i go because of health issues and we did get a, a small family get together in which i didn't and i ended up sick for two days so i actually had oh. to go get oxygen so um you know wasn't the greatest christmas but uh i did i did spend a lot of time with my grandson and uh uh, those that know me know that that's the most important thing in my life right now is spending time with him and and making him happy. So for that, I, I count my blessings. That's good. That's good. Uh, that's good and bad there, Dom. But we're happy that uh, you're feeling better. We're happy that you're able to join us today. And and yeah, family, family first, man. That's what it's all about, you know? Yep. We had a good Christmas um, here in, in Amesbury. Um, I was with my wife, Courtney, and, and we were fortunate enough to be uh, visited by her father, Frank. Uh, unfortunate, my dad um, got a little bit of the COVID, 
and could not join us. And uh, he's going through a little bit of cancer stuff. So my thoughts are with my father, of course. But it was really tough not to have him around for the uh, the holiday season. Um, first time in a long time. So uh, hopefully 2023 is better for all the people that I really care about. Dom, my father, uh, and Courtney's father, and everybody out there that's going through some tough times. Yeah. I, I don't know about anybody else. It just feels like everybody's sick. And I, yeah, I don't know sick. if it's because we were stuck in the house for two years and our immune systems are all shot, but hopefully, hopefully by the time like April rolls around, we'll all be in the clear. It's just going to be a, might be a slog to the finish line if, um, if we can get there. But um, yeah, here we are new year's Eve and it's uh 2023 already. It's crazy. Um a uh, quick look back at some of the games last week, uh, a, a, a frustrating loss in Ottawa. Uh, although, I mean, I thought that game was entertaining as heck. Um, that Ottawa team is going to be a problem, I think, for a while. They're so young. They're feisty. They're they're smart. Um, and, and just a zillion shots, that, that eight-shot power play sequence on Cam Talbot was ridiculous. Um, and then you lose in the shootout. So... Um, tough to see. At least they got the resilient win coming back um, the next game against New Jersey. But um, any takeaways from that uh, Ottawa game there, Mark? Yeah, it's. It, I don't know. It was kind of one of those slow starts. You had three days off, which is really frustrating for me as a Bruins fan when you have that amount of time off and, and, and you struggle against um, weaker teams in the division. Um, but it was good to see Jake DeBrusca get on the board, uh, tie in the game. And obviously, in the third period, Pavel Zaka getting his fourth, uh, you know, pushing it to the to overtime, getting that valuable point if you had to scratch and and, and claw away at anything. Um, but in that game, I was more frustrated with the officiating, in my opinion. And I could be wrong. I'm not really good at all of this uh, these rules and stuff like that. But when Patrice Bergeron went off sides, they took the goal away. And I totally get that it was offside. You could see daylight between the line and uh, Patrice's skate and the puck on the other side going the other way. But what, what I didn't understand was how come an Ottawa goal wasn't taken away because of the too many men? I don't understand that. And like I said, I'm not privy on all the rules, but if anybody on the panel here can like let me know if why that, that happened. And the other thing I want to add on to that, so I, before I pass this this question back to you guys, is on the Patrice Bergeron offsides, the time got brought back to when he actually went offsides. So to add a little bit of a, a continuity to my question, how come the how come the too many men wasn't reviewed, and then that time got brought back to when it actually happened? Two things. Coach's challenge. The offside was a coach's challenge. You can't challenge for too many men on the ice. Okay. It's not an automatic review unless it's in the last, I think the last two minutes of the game uh, where every goal is automatically reviewed by, by the league. So that answers your first question. Okay. Uh, The second question is because of the offside, uh, the time was brought back to when the whistle should have blown. Okay, now, had there been a penalty in there at some point, the penalty would still count. Um, but had there been a goal the other way, that goal would be reviewed. The, the play would be brought back to when the whistle should have blown. 
you you can argue that the intent of the rule or the intent of the review was to eliminate the huge offsides that that we've seen like the 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 obvious ones not the hairline ones that that this would be but you know they added it to the coach's challenge and i hope uh that answers your question mark it does think, thank you very much i think it's weird that the penalty would still count like if there was a 40 you know, 45 second period of time a penalty would count but a goal wouldn't i would think that they would just wipe the whole board clean i mean obviously okay, but if you and and they brought this up in the um I forget which world championship or junior championship game it was, but if you high stick somebody across the face intentionally in that time when the whistle should have been brought back, that are we saying that penalty should be negated because that time should never have happened? No, I mean, I, I, I assume, I mean, it's kind of like the offside rule where it's designed for the extreme and you know, somebody going out there and Marty McSorley and somebody else across the face is obviously the extreme. But I mean, you know, if there's, if there's 45 seconds go by where you're in the zone and some guy who's been on the ice for a while, you know, hooks another guy or, you know, gets a lazy tripping penalty because of the fact that he was stuck on the ice because the play was offside. You know what I mean? If it was like an A plus B equals C kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. It seems like they're kind of picking and choosing. Yeah, you know, um, you're, you're, right. Right to, you're right to a point, Steve. I, I think that no matter no matter how they make a rule or or try to enforce it, there's always going to be a segment of fans that are unhappy with the way it is or, or it, there's no perfect solution. Right. I like, let's put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so uh, I like you said it was nice, uh, Mark. It was nice of them to get that bounce back win against New Jersey. Um, New Jersey's been playing some great hockey. I think, well, I know it. You know, it's been New Jersey and Boston as the top two teams in the East all year. We were trying to figure out if New Jersey was actually legit. I think we were trying to figure out if the if the Bruins were were legit. And you know, going back to last week, you know, two pretty decisive wins over New Jersey. Um, I mean, I, I, again, New Jersey's another young team. They got a lot of talent on there, but it didn't seem like they were even ready to compete with a team like Boston. Um, I think that was a pretty good barometer of what we're looking at here with this Bruins team or those, those wins, particularly the one uh, a couple nights ago against New Jersey, the three, one victory there on the road. It's uh, another, another good game, another bounce back after, you know, a really tough one in in Ottawa, and then traveling. And, and let me tell you, I've heard so many stories on podcasts when former players just say that, that you know travel does beat up your body as an athlete. You know, it, it's just something that I wish, in my in my personal opinion, the league would really understand that. So if you're you know if you're going from Boston to New York to play the Rangers, it might not be such a big deal. But when you're heading down to Florida. And you're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning and the and the and the uh, Florida Panthers and so on, you know you you play them a couple games in a row, but you span it out. You know it's like a you have at least four days of just to sit there and relax, unwind, get with the boys, go out play some golf, you know, and hit the nightlife, whatever, and just like be the guys, and then go to work the next day, and then fly out of there on onto your next mission. But 
Um, this was a good win uh, for them. Again, you said that you, it sets that barometer when you're playing against the higher higher ranked teams. And I know Jersey has been frust- uh, has been uh, has been um, not doing very well lately. But you know they're basically coming down to earth. But it was just another solid win, another two points, and and um, you know another road win. And 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 you know it, it's good on a short week. And but I'm ready to get back into into uh you know the regular action and you know after the post holidays and so on and and i'm excited for the second half i just want to touch on touch on the schedule real quick and then i want to ask you guys a question about the jersey game um there's there's a lot of complaints out there a lot of people complaining about the schedule and what the bruins had to go through between the ottawa and new jersey game and uh blaming the league and so on and so forth. I'm the opposite. I, I don't blame I blame the Boston Bruins because before the schedule is finalized, they're handed the schedule and say, okay, is there anything you don't like? Is there anything you want to change? And they have the option to change those two games. They knew they couldn't fly out until the Ottawa game because of the CBA, and they knew they had to fly right to New Jersey. It's not a league thing. That's the Boston Bruins for approving that. So let's get that out of the way, okay, first of all. Now, as for the New Jersey game, here's my question for you guys. Was that not the best game you had seen Brandon Carlo play in I don't know how long? I mean, I think we're talking years. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that he was uh, noticeable. I mean, I think most of the games that I watch with Carlo, I, I don't hear his name much. I don't um, I don't see him a lot. And, I mean, based on his role on the team, it's not like he should be the star. It's not like we should be hearing his name all the time. If you're going out there and you're sort of doing your job and you're getting off the ice, and um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I thought that he was uh, authoritative. I thought that he was – confident comfortable um i don't know i don't know if it's a matchup thing or not dom but that's something i absolutely noticed was uh, was carlo's game dom great great question um yeah i noticed it too i noticed um more a little more physicality in his game uh that might have been something that might have sparked him early like somebody might have hacked him in the back of the leg and he was just like really frustrated throughout the whole game and he just wanted to hit everything which is cool that's fine with me but for, for a more stay-at-home type of bigger defenseman and so on, I found his mobility was a lot better, in, particularly in that game, and moving the puck a little bit more transition uh, in timing out of the zone, which in in the past he has been caught on several times, you know, a handful, not even several. But th- it's just good things that we're seeing from him. I was happy with his game, and, and I know people get frustrated with him being the bigger body and not – be in a more physical and, and, and that enforcer type of role, but it's the little things. It's a, it's a little impacts that make him um, a decent defenseman in my opinion. Yeah. I see a lot of people are talking about the Bruins should move them, um, you know, but I'm seeing improvement in every aspect of his game. I don't know whether it's been concussions or whatever over the past couple of years, but just his keeps at the offensive blue line, uh, making tough key pins look easy, um, rarely gets beaten to, to cause an odd man rush the other way. 
Uh, he just looks so much stronger along the boards. If he gets that puck along the boards and and someone's trying to take it away from him, good luck. Um, just every aspect of his game seems to be at another level right now. And and Mark knows how much a fan I've been of, of John Gruden over the years and his coaching with defensemen. Um, uh, you know, people say he's not a legit number three defenseman in this league. Uh, he may not even be a number four. And if he is, he's overpaid. Um, I, I just see the Bruins need this Brandon Carlo if they're going to go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I, for moving somebody, I think I, I would like to keep Carlo. I think he's, I think Sweeney's more apt to do it too, because um, I don't know, maybe forgive, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that draft, you know, where they had the three picks in the first round that all didn't yep. go so well for Sweeney. I think Carlo was a second round pick in that draft. Yep. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's really was the home run for him um, coming out of that draft. So um, I, I, I agree with you, Dom, although I will say, I think it's about time uh, with Carlo and maybe, maybe it is the coaching, maybe it is John Gruden, but um, it's nice to see that impact that he's have. I think it's kind of like Trent Frederick, where I think for a while Trent Frederick was didn't kind of know what game to play, and is now starting to kind of settle into his own, and maybe that's what it is for Carlo. You know, am I supposed to be physical? Am I supposed to be nifty? Maybe now he's realizing I can just play my game. I can go out there and play hockey, and I'll I'll be at my best level. So maybe that's maybe that's what it is. But not only that, not only that is 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 the soft narrative and so on about Brandon Carlo. And I hate that when 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 you're talking about a player that has concussion history. But what what's good about there's nothing good about concussions. Let's put it that way first, okay? But what's good about Brandon Carlo is his confidence is getting up there in those areas where he has gotten those concussions. And I think his body position has gotten much better, where he's not turning his back into a hit. And, and, and really causing the, the head to either thrust forward or backwards where, where you know, it, it, it gets a little bit of contact and then he gets, you know, his bell rung a little bit. But it's just a confidence thing for me. And, and yeah, I absolutely agree with Dom when he said earlier that, that those are the types of players that can get you far into, into uh, a playoff series or even, you know, um, several rounds into the uh, postseason. So it's, it's just a lot of good things that we're seeing from this Boston Bruins team. From day one, when this when this season started, we were pretty much blown away by how everybody's being bought in. Maybe like it did take Brandon Carlo a little longer than everybody else to adjust, but it's really good to see that that defense is really, really starting to shore up um, at, at a really good time of the year as well. We do have the uh, Winter Classic coming up on Monday, uh, something that uh, I, I know I'm looking forward to. I... I... I really wish it wasn't in uh, John Henry's palace. Um, I, I, I mean, I've, I've gone to games in, uh, I think it was the college games that they had at Fenway a couple of years ago. You can't see anything. Seating is really difficult. Um, I despise the fact that John Henry teamed up with LeBron James to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then what do you know? There's a game uh, at Fenway. I mean, what jersey is he going to be wearing up in the booth? Um if he even knows that they play with a puck or a ball, I'm not even sure. Um, but, but regardless, uh, it's always a good scene. It's always a lot of fun. They had the uh, the World Cup uh, uh, 
uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Winter Classic. I see WC. I said World Cup. The Winter Classic <laughs> fan, fan Fest uh, earlier this week. Did you see the lines for that thing, Mark? Out and around crazy. the corner and down the street? Um, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I don't know if that's good or bad as a fan, but I know that the interest is there. So um, I think people are going to be fired up for this thing. I know Nick Felino was fired up. Um, Dom, I want to ask you, is this is this something I don't think a player will ever say, I don't want to do the, the Winter Classic. It's too distracting. Um, but is it the kind of thing that could have a, a lasting impact for, I don't know, a couple of days, a week, a, a month after um, to where, you, you know, you kind of have to come down, I guess, from it. I mean, all the players were out at this at these events. They're busy. They're doing all these things. It's not just a regular home game. Does that last at all, whether it's good or bad? Oh, sure it does. And and I I, I don't think we're talking long term, but, you know, uh, I'm not even sure when the Bruins' next game is after that. I think it's Thursday. Um, I'll look that up. You know, but they'll they'll be thinking about it Thursday. And, you know, after that, they'll uh, they'll forget it. They'll move on. Uh, It'll be up to the coaching staff to keep them focused. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking ahead of today's game. We're recording on set on Saturday, so the Sabres will Bruins will be playing the Sabres in a few hours. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bruins are looking ahead to the Winter Classic and you know not paying one hundred percent attention to the game this afternoon against the Sabres. Uh, first and foremost, for me, the Winter Classic is always something that um, I love watching. And I love supporting. It really doesn't matter if the Boston Bruins are involved or not. Um, it's a great league thing and, you know, obviously a moneymaker and so on. But uh, yesterday's Fan Fest uh, kicked off uh, and it was a huge success. It was great to see, you know, Trent Frederick out there. It was great to see former Boston Bruin uh, badass Sean Thornton, uh, you know, taking time away from the uh, Florida Panthers organization to come up here and be a part of this. And I know, I know um, Sean lives up here. He has a, uh, a place, I believe in Charlestown. So, um, you know, good on him to, to do the, the uh, awesome alumni kind of thing. Um, and the fans were amazing. The, the pictures, I just could not believe how many people showed up for this uh, a tremendous event. It just shows you how much hockey is valued in this area. New England is a really Really, it's like mini Canada to me. It's a real hotbed for this sport, and and I just love I love the growth of the game. I love where it's going, um, and obviously the coverage that we do, Dom does on DomHockey.com, and and you know several other outlets that I read constantly on a daily basis. But it's just a great event uh, for the community too. Um, you know, it's a nice little a boost for them. You get some foot traffic around the Boston area, around Fenway. And everybody win-win. So um, I'm really excited for the game. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go because ticket prices were just ridiculous. I did apply for the media credentials, and I got an email back saying that, unfortunately, we can't accommodate you. But, you know, they said, please uh, inquire about things next time. So I'm definitely going to be using them for the draft that's coming up uh, pretty soon in Nashville. So um, I'm just really ready for this this game. Um you know, there's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of folks that don't like it. There's a lot of folks that do like it, but I think it's I think it's good for the league. And I'm um I'm ready to watch. I'm ready to pound some beers on Monday on a rare Monday afternoon, and, and you know, just get it get it going, get it going. 
I love I love the promo they did with Jeremy Swayman and um, Sidney Crosby. And I know Mark tweeted out like, why couldn't they <laughs> use the starting goaltender for the, <laughs> the actual stuff? Which which was priceless, Mark. Great tweet. But I don't think <laughs> that the promo would have worked the way it is with with Allmark instead of Swayman. But that was beautifully done. Kudos to whoever came up with that one, I think. And credit to Swayman because I mean Sidney Crosby has a lot of years of experience doing these things, but Swayman looked like a 20-year pro in uh in doing that promo so kudos to him yeah hey you guys you know i was reaching for a little controversy on that one (laughs) but it was it was it was good that several folks came uh at that tweet to explain that this commercial was done uh during media day which is traditionally done before the season actually starts so Yeah, so I kind of, I kind of got it there, but uh, you know, I was reaching for a little bit, like, hey, you know, the, the goalie controversy kind of thing. That's the hashtag yeah. goaltender union in me. <laughs> I was just saying, um, looking ahead at the at the weather, which um, is kind of something that that's not always the case, but it doesn't look like it's going to drop anywhere near freezing between now and Monday. Uh, temperatures are going to be uh, in the mid to upper fifties tomorrow. They're going to be in the low to mid fifties on Monday. Um, is that going to be an issue here? Is that going to be a problem for the teams for the rink, or is it just going to be a nice balmy day to go watch some hockey? I don't think it'll be a problem for the ice. I mean, the, the ice making equipment is world-class. The, uh, the NHL, uh, really invested well in there. The only, they'll have only two issues with the ice. If it's too sunny or if it rains. Otherwise, I think the ice the ice will be just fine. And uh, for the fans, I don't know. Do you want minus twenty out there no. or whatever? Uh, no. You know. Um, so I I think they might like the more comfortable one. Interesting. Yeah, and 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 several years I've read that um, everywhere this ice making machine goes, it's just for special unit uh, special occasions like winter classics and so on. But it's a it's a great it's several grades up from what's in the traditional NHL arena right now. Uh, there's a, a huge amount of glycol that goes through that to make sure that the ice is good. Like Dom said, rain and sun are the biggest killers of the of the perfect ice and so on. So, and I you know hey they played hockey in Las Vegas a long time ago. They played hockey in California not too long ago. So. Uh, I have full faith that the uh, the ice conditions are going to be good enough for these players to go out, um, you know, and, and and produce a good game. These are two teams that have been around a long time, and they, I, I from the last time I've seen, they pretty much dislike each other, and um, I expect a really really good turnout. So, other than Lake Tahoe, has there ever been a delay? I think Lake Lake Tahoe was the only one that was delayed for weather reasons right yeah I, that's, buffalo that might have like, been one is that when buffalo it was might have been one, the very first one yeah 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 um uh yeah I, I i'll be honest i you know when i said decided i wasn't coming back as the pa announcer this was the the one that i thought i'm gonna regret it is not being uh not being able to sit up there in the you know, sit up there in the where 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 Joe Castiglione sits for the Red Sox games and and nice. calling the game. You know, um, that's good. It's going to be a big one, but whatever. Like hey, like, like Mark said, I'll be sitting there pounding beers and having a good time. 
Is your buddy Zimmer calling that game? I assume so. Okay, because uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear anything on his Twitter at all. So I don't, I don't know if they're going to have a national announcer or are they going to have the home announcer? Uh, well, for Jake's sake, I would hope that he gets to do it because again, that's sort of a once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, for my sake, if they were going to bring in a national guy anyway, then I won't feel so bad. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you know, for me, it was the, you know, getting to do an AHL all-star game in Springfield was awesome. And, you know, um, this, this sort of would have been the, the icing on the cake, but, um, that's like, I hope they give Jake that opportunity because he's, he's a good kid, a good announcer. I think the only reason they really bring in the, the national guy are for, again not the goals and penalties but it's all the other stuff it's you know introing bobby Orr when he comes out with a puck drop right. and you know getting all the national sponsor reads done properly and all that kind of stuff so um that's all stuff that jake can handle so uh, yep. you know I, I i if it were up to me i would just give it i would let jake do it because i think he'll do great and um you know he's he knows what he's doing so um awesome Dom, by the way, uh, you mentioned uh, their next games after the Winter Classic, and they're actually going on a three-game West Coast road trip. So Thursday, they're at L.A., Saturday at San Jose, and Sunday at Anaheim. So, you know, to be able to sort of mentally close the book on the Winter Classic and move on with the rest of the season, maybe that's actually the best thing for them is to hop on a plane, go to, you know, the whole other side of the country and, and sort of refresh their mind, refocus their mind on the task at hand, you know, rather than hang around Boston yeah. for another couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. And is that the order they're playing? It is, isn't it? Yeah. At LA, yeah, LA at San Jose, San Jose, at Anaheim. Yep. So here's another scheduling thing. Why wouldn't you go LA, Anaheim, San Jose? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, I mean, I'm Canadian and I know geography. (laughs) I know American geography, right? right? Like LA, Anaheim, you hop on a bus, right? Right. Yeah, Yeah. that seems a little backwards to me. You're hopping on a plane. Am I right? I would would think you'd have to fly from LA to San Jose and then San Jose to Anaheim, I would think. It's probably easier knowing the traffic out there. Yeah. So that's interesting. Interesting. Well, um, certainly something to look forward to uh, over the next couple of games. And like you said, Dom, I, I hope this isn't a game today against Buffalo that sort of gets, uh, the, the, as they say, the scheduled loss uh, because they're focused on other things. But um, uh, it'll be interesting now, to see. Is it Swayman? I'm, I'm guessing it's got to be Swayman. I can look it up I'm real quick. I'm thinking Swayman. See if we know. But um, yes, Swayman would be my guess. Although yeah, if we're they're going to all mark in the start in the winter classic, right? Right. Right. Definitely I don't know. It, hot hand. I mean, Swayman's got been wearing all those winter classic pads. Have, have we right. seen all in the winter classic pads yeah. at all? In practice. No, he's been practice. He's been practicing with his, with his gear. Not all the time, but it's, it's just to break it in and so on. The reason why Jeremy Swayman's doing it is because he's playing well. And I think there's a trend okay. there. And he uh, actually and he actually said yesterday in an interview that he would be willing to, if he's playing well, continue to wear those pads because he does like them actually. So I don't. I honestly don't think that okay. he's wearing these in the game to be a part of it. 
Now, you know Jim Montgomery is the exact type of coach who will play with us and be the type of coach that would start Swayman, right? Yeah, yeah. You I know, know, but I know. Like he, he, but I don't, I, you know, I'm curious to get your guys' opinion on this. I don't think Jim Montgomery chooses the starter. I, I no. think that uh, it's he leaves it, much like Bruce Cassidy did, they leave it up to Bob Asenza. That's interesting. I, I didn't, I would have never thought that would be goalie Bob's uh, decision. I mean, I, I guess it would make sense, you know, um, considering what the role of the, you know, the role of the, uh, of the goalie coach is, I guess that would make most sense. I don't know if they do it. I think the winter classic is so special to where, you know, I would start Olmark just because he's older and he's been in the year longer and it's a seniority thing. And if both goalies are both playing really well, then you go with the guy who's sort of been here longer and, you know, you'll get your chance sometime kid to swim in, you know, and you, and you go with the yeah. older guy, but yeah, but an older guy, like tell 25, you, but who old. better as the, as the goalie guy on the show here and not an expert at all, but who better to not make those decisions than the guy that's constantly around you all the time, feeling the emotions next to you, trying to absorb what's going on while <clears throat> that person is teaching you to be the best in the crease and so on. You know, if, if Jeremy's not feeling right, but he's not saying it, I mean, I'm sure Bob Asenza and, and Mike Dunham, if, if he's around, are feeling something like, hey, I mean, it just doesn't seem like he's in it this today. You know, maybe there's something going on. And, and that's the information that I believe that Bob Asenza will relay to a head coach like Jim Montgomery and say, this might not be the game for him. You know, let's get somebody else prepared and maybe get him into another spot start and so on. But it's so information. I really believe that this tandem, this goalie um, uh, coaching tandem of Asenza and Dunham are criminally underrated. Like Mitch Corns and all these other goalie coaches, they all get the glam because they're really good at their craft. But these two together, like I've said several times in podcasts, if Mike Dunham was around with Bob Asenza when they picked uh, Malcolm Subban in the first round, I think Malcolm Subban would have a better NHL career than he is having right now, to be honest with you. Uh, and it, it really does. I think they're just criminally underrated. They, um, they, they have found, they've certainly had a way, uh, and we are lucky with this. They've had a way to, um, uh, have these homegrown goaltenders. They haven't had these situations where you got to keep trading for guys and, you know, but Tim Thomas was pretty much from the ground up Tuka Rask, He came via trade, but when he was young enough to where he was created pretty much here, um, you know, you did trade for Olmark, but, uh, he spent no, most of his time in trade. Oh, no I guess it was the sign, but but he spent yep, most of his time in signing. Buffalo in Rochester. Uh, I think he was in Rochester longer than he was in Buffalo. So, you know, I the overall point is I, I think that they have a good uh, they have a good knack for finding and developing goaltenders here. And, you know, Swayman's just another example of it, although I still think they kind of lucked into him a little bit uh, in the draft. But um, it does seem to be a, a good little system that the Bruins have here um, and. Real quick, I, this came from Boston Sports Inf on uh, Twitter this morning. Re, uh, Bruins record when Linus Olmark starts in goal and Hampus Lindholm plays in the Bruins' regular season careers. 
They are 27, one and one with a nine forty eight save percentage. That's um, ridiculous. Wow. That's insane. Um, it is insane. And, 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 wow. and to really, uh, to, to add a little continuity to this, um, our boy, Mike Sullivan at black and hockey.com. No, I'm sorry. Not Mike. Mike retweeted it. Uh, Nathan Anderson of uh, black and hockey.com is actually writing an article about this whole topic. Uh, Hampus Lindholm and Linus Allmark and that ridiculous, ridiculous underlying stat. So check it out. Nuts. Um, I want to, I want to take it a step further than than what Mark has said. Uh, This is my opinion and nobody out there has to agree with it. Uh, But not only do the Boston Bruins have the best goaltending tandem in the NHL, they have the best goaltending prospect pool of the 32 NHL teams. I'm yeah, totally on board with that. Do you, are you, um, Dom, can you, I, I just, I don't know much about the DPHRO kid and obviously Buzz, he's playing well. Uh, Kincaid, um, is a really just always has been a solid goalie. Um, but is that DPHRO? Does he have the chance to be the real deal too? Uh, I doubt it. No, I, I, I think it's passed by him. I think he was, um, he was mishandled. I mean, Mark talked about Malcolm Subban. Uh, and the way it was handled, DiPietro was really, really handled bad by the Canucks. Uh, absolutely terrible. Um, you know, it, he had the tools to be a solid, bona fide NHL goaltender. Um, but it just, it just didn't happen for him. Kyle Kaiser, um, you know, people forget. And years ago, I had this argument with Bruins fans on HF boards, you know, when when the Bruins had drafted Swayman and they had signed Kaiser uh, as a free agent. I said, Kyle Kaiser is going to be your starter for Team USA at the World Juniors. And they're like, nope, it's going to be Jeremy Swayman. I go, you wait and see. Like, don't underestimate this kid. Uh, Kyle Kaiser will be your starter. I guarantee you. And, and I guaranteed then, I said, Kyle Kaiser will be a better NHL goaltender than Jeremy Swayman. And I really honestly, honestly believe that. And game one happened and he got a concussion um, and never played again in, in the tournament. And really it's been, he's had, I think now three major concussions, uh, other injuries that have, um, I don't want to say ruined his development, but has not put him where he should be. So, um, you know, Boosie, we know what Boosie's doing for Providence in in the American Hockey League. Uh, but there, there's also Philip uh, Spedback in the NCAA, who I think last night or the night before recorded his first shutout. Yeah. Um, has only lost like one game in his last 12 uh, you know, it's, I'm really, really impressed about where this goaltending depth and prospect pool is for, is for the Bruins. Yeah. 20, love, 20 years yeah. old, 20 years old, six foot four playing at Providence, um, playing really well. And let's not forget, uh, the Bruins also developed Dan Vladar too. So yeah. there's another name yeah. you can throw in there for guys that they've really handled well over the course of time, Mark. 
And I, I forgot Reed Dick playing for the Swift Current Broncos in the in the Western Hockey League. Um, we actually had him on a show, did we not, Mark? Yes, we did over yeah. the uh, off season. He came on the program, and and what a what a a really nice guy, a nice kid, very well spoken. And um, you know, I, I keep tabs on the goaltenders and and all basically all Bruins prospects. Um, you know, on the EliteProspects.com. And, um, you know, he's not having a great year out in Swift Current. But then again, that program out in the dub is not the strongest um, as it has been in the past. Uh, I remember when Jake DeBrusque was out there and so on. That was a pretty dominant team. Uh, But the Boston Bruins believe in his upside over his stats. He's a bigger goaltender. Mm -hmm. NHL teams are always looking for the over 6-2. Now they're even getting higher. I mean, you're looking at the six four, six five, six six goaltenders, and that are that are really producing well. And you look at a guy like Brandon Bussey, who I believe, and I, I'm probably going to get hammered for this, but I kind of have a feeling that he's got a little more upside than Jeremy Swayman, which makes me think that if if needed, if the Boston Bruins do not win the Stanley Cup this year, could Swayman be a a a, um, a package? For somebody that can get the team over the threshold, you know, if they if they win the if they win the cup this year, let's not even think about this conversation. But you know, I, I think that if they don't do it this year, you're going to probably see another year of of at least Patrice Bergeron, and who knows about David Krejci? You want to make those deals, you want to get it done, and blah blah blah. I think he could be a valuable piece for a team that is looking for goaltending, especially a young one, you know. You could look at the Arizonas and the team and the and the and the uh, pieces that they have, or anywhere around the league. Goaltending is always needed, so I'm not saying that I want him traded. All I'm saying is he could be a piece to move because we do have that goaltending depth, and I believe that Brandon Bussey could be the next one. And I also think that Asenza and Vladar, I'm mean, Asenza and uh, Dunham, kind of miss working with that type of goaltender like Vladar and they, now they have it in, in Brandon Bussey. And um, like I said, I, I'm really high on this kid and, and hopefully he does get a chance at the NHL level. Wow. Um, so much there. I know. <laughs> and with that, you know, Kaiser uh, comes back to Providence. He had a, a knee injury uh, immediately gets sent down to the maiden man, main Mariners. Again, there is sort of a log jam there. Uh, although I, Forgive me if in the last 24 hours he came back up to Providence and then got sent back down. And then I think he's playing a little bit of hopscotch there between I, the, the two. I have a theory about that. Um, and, and Dom, you might have a different one. Uh, but I believe that the reason why he got sent down was obviously he needs to get some time in, in the crease and, and it's not happening. The AHL Bruins do not run a three, a three goaltending monster. It just doesn't make sense when you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday all the time does not make sense at all. It's just not enough playing time for either your higher prospect or, or your, your veteran like Kincaid. Uh, but I believe that that call went out because of what happened to Lenius Allmark in a, um, in practice. I think yesterday he had, uh, uh, something happened to his arm. He went off the ice, but did come back to finish practice. I think the call went out to say, Hey, we need Kincaid up here. And then obviously the the levels went up. It's like okay, now we need Kaiser back up in the American Hockey League to cover for Kincaid. Um, I think that's why it happened. I might be reaching a little bit, but I'm sure Dom has a little more information. Maybe 
No, you're probably you're probably right, Mark. Um, and um, you know, I, I I just don't read too much into those things. I, I really don't. Uh, somebody has to go to Maine uh, when DiPietro comes back from the Spangler Cup. It's going to be him, and then the Bruins are going to have to decide on what to do with that three-headed monster uh, because that's what. Let's put it this way. Kincaid's not going anywhere. He's an insurance policy for the NHL. Um, and a good so, one. Yeah. Yep. And the, the Bruins are going to have to make a, a tough decision. And, and look, if I was Jeremy Jacobs and the owner of the Boston Bruins, I want my general manager to have to make these tough decisions. That's what I pay him to do. And uh, as much as it sucks, um, that's too bad. That's hockey. That's winning hockey. Um, now do what you're paid for and make the decision. Yeah. Um, just, just to add on to that, sure. if and uh, when Michael DiPietro comes back to Maine, I, the obvious scenario would be to have DiPietro there along with Kyle Kaiser as it stands right now. But in the East Coast League, there's trades happen all the time. Contracts are, are released and blah, blah, blah. I could see Francois Brassad being the one, the odd man out on that one. Because I don't believe that they want to run a three-headed monster either down there. No. No. Uh, but um, I, I'm, a, I'm also at the point where both Boosie and and – Kaiser are restrictive free agents at the end of this season. Okay. Yeah. We know where we are with Boosie. Bruins absolutely need to find out where are they with Kyle Kaiser. They have to. And they're not going to find out by him playing uh, for the main Mariners. It's just not going to happen. He, he needs the best competition uh, that he can go up against. And that's the American Hockey League. And so the Bruins have to make that decision now, not at the end of the season. It's like, are we going to invest? We've invested, what, four years into this kid already. Are we going to invest a fifth year? Then we need to see what we have. And that means he's got to be in Providence. If they're not going to invest in them, then, okay, Maine you go when we cut ties in on June 30th. Well, it's a good problem to have for the Bruins. Uh, some teams don't have one goalie, never mind four or five. Yep. So um, it's definitely a good problem to have. Uh, and we'll see sort of how it all shakes out here in the next uh, couple months or so. Um, while we do have a, a quick uh, minute here, I want to uh, give a quick shout out to our, our sponsor, Can I Wellness. Uh, oral spray supplements, the faster, better way to energize, recover, relax, get a good night's sleep. Um, easy to use, fast, fast acting, effective. If you're like uh, if you're like Mark, they're good for hangovers. Um, so <laughs> so uh, feel free to look them up. Uh, tell them the guys at Black and Gold sent you there. Uh, and then again, uh, BetOnline.ag. Uh, use the promo code CLNS50. Uh, that would be a big help to us. Uh, that's how we sort of keep the uh, keep the microphones clean and keep the laptops open uh, here at the podcast. So. Uh, definitely uh, uh, check them out. Tell them that uh, Tom, we sent you from Black and Gold. We'd, we'd really appreciate that. BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. 
everything from NFL to and bowl season to esports and the World Cup. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at betonline.ag. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the betonline.ag website and join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use that promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag. It's where the game stats. 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 I love that Boston <laughs> accent. <It's fantastic. laughs> it really is. Um Cool. So uh, I guess while we while we have a minute too, Mark, while we're on it, do you want to talk uh, about the Patreon camp campaign, what you got going on there? Or do you want to yeah, tease we it? Do a, we do have a Patreon campaign that we uh, we give away free jerseys um, to our financial supporters, the you know, the real real fans of, the, of our program. And if you go to bet on, I mean, patreon.com slash block and go hockey podcast and donate $1, what we do is we take half of your dollar to pay the bills here. And we also take the other half to buy incredible hand-signed jerseys from Boston Bruins alumni and current players. So for a dollar, you could literally win this Jerry Cheever's hand-signed Hall of Fame 1985 jersey, fully authenticated right here. This is from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Bruce Sullivan is our guy where we get all these jerseys. And this could be yours for a dollar. This is the jersey we're giving away in january at the end of the month so uh get on board with that it's it's really good stitching great quality jersey get this if if you win this get this and put this on a really nice jersey um wall mount uh with a glass piece and it'll really spice up that fan cave because i've seen every one of your fan caves and you need it you need more black and gold so please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode we do record about four episodes a month. We'll possibly go to six, maybe seven, maybe eight. Who knows? But it's a small investment to really spice up that fan cave, like I said. That's awesome. Um, and, again, we do really appreciate all the support here at Black and Gold. We're, we're thrilled that uh, Dom is back with us this week. It's so great to have him. Um, I know we do have three messages from our hotline, but I thought maybe before that, um, real quick, we could just talk about uh, some possible trade partners. I know they've been talking. Well, the rumors are that the Bruins have been talking with Anaheim again. Uh, go figure, believe it or not. Um, one of the other teams that I guess I've been sort of tracking a little bit is St. Louis, uh, who is the uh, parent affiliate of my Springfield Thunderbirds. And um, they've just been kind of a hot mess this year. They've There's players that we thought were going to be bona fide AHLers down here in Springfield helping us out that have gotten called up and haven't come back. Um, they just put Tori Krug on IR and they called up Tyler Tucker uh, from the Thunderbirds. Um, so they're kind of a hot mess and they do have, you know, guys like Ivan Barbashev and, and Nola Chari is there. Um, so I guess my first question is what, what sort of are their needs if they're looking for any upgrades on the current roster? And is there any options out there that would fit those needs without obviously messing with the core or having to sell the farm? Dom, take this one on your thoughts on Anaheim. Well, I can take it on my thoughts on the blues too, because I have a really good friend who works for the blues and, um, um, 
let, let's start with Steve's question about um, what they could do to improve the roster. I don't think that they're in a position to make a trade to improve the roster right now, because really um, other than I would say their need to improve for right wing um, that they're not in a, in, in a need to improve anywhere on the roster. Goaltending is set. Defense is set. Their top six is set. Their third line is actually set when, uh, when they can be together. Uh, we saw with Thomas Noshek out uh, the last game that that fourth line is disoriented without him there, like totally disoriented. Um, so that's where they need, I think the, the need is to improve on Craig Smith and push AJ Greer down as the 13th forward. Now that said, um, that's not going to cost a lot to do, but they have no cap space to do it. Um, I think from what I'm hearing, and, and this is what I put out there yesterday, is that there have been discussions with the Anaheim Ducks about moving Craig Smith and a prospect to the Ducks for basically cap space. Um, I don't know who that prospect is. It would be nothing more than a seventh round pick or future considerations coming back. And we know future considerations means nothing <laughs> coming back. Okay. Uh, they're just in, in terms to complete a trade, there has to be something mentioned and that's what future considerations is. Uh, so that would clear them the cap space. Um, and that would add uh, about $8 million to their deadline cap space. Okay. Now, if I can take a second to describe deadline cap space, because there's a huge misunderstanding out there on Twitter about what that means. Um, both cap friendly and Pugpedia like to describe cap number as deadline cap space. It is not actually cap space. It is that number deadline cap space refers to the AAV or cap hit total, not prorated or anything, the total AAV or cap hit of a player that can be added on trade deadline day to be cap compliant at the end of the year. So in other words, that $8 million that the Bruins would have by moving Craig Smith today means that they could add Leon Dreisaitl on trade deadline um, without moving salary cap out. Nice. Yet their actual real cap space is only about $2 million. So in other words, it does the pro rating for you. Interesting. Okay, so when you see deadline cap space, it's not, not cap space. It is the AAB that can be added and remain compliant at the end of the season. I think that's why the Bruins and, you know, we've talked about it many, many times here, Mark, on the show with Kevin about Craig Smith is the guy that they've been trying to move. We, we go back to the off season. They've been trying to move. Him. Um, yep. So this is not really news to us, at least now, from what I've been told, we have an actual team and an actual cost. 
I don't know which prospect it would be involved in moving, but you know what? I'm not moving a Fabian Lysel. I'm not moving a Mason Lorai. I'm not moving a Georgi Merkulov. I'm not moving a Brett Harrison. Uh, I'm not moving a Matthew Patra. Um, I'm not moving those type of players to dump salary. Okay. Um, If they want an Oscar Steen, okay, I'll do it. You know, you have to put a value on, on, on what you value. As for the St. Louis Blues, and, and I'm, I'm sure Steve knows the team well. Um, my neighbor down the street works for the Blues. So uh, I know they're not happy in the situation that they're in. Um, they're actually really, really ticked off about the situation that they're in. Um, the head coach ain't going nowhere. Um but they have to make some decisions on some players. They got some UFAs coming up. Uh, what are they, what are they going to do with them? Do they want to try and resign them? Are they going to go through uh, a retool, not a rebuild for next season? There's a, a lot of angst in the organization towards Jordan Bennington. Um, Shocker! I know. You know it, it's it's too bad because I've known him since his days with the. Owen Sound attack and of the Ontario Hockey League. And he could be a damn good goalie when he puts his mind to it. So, um, <clears throat> you know, they're a team to watch when it comes to making trades. But <clears throat> word is, is they're not looking to do something now, um, but more towards trade deadline when they see where they're at. You know, they've had a chance chance to talk to the agents of some of their UFAs and see where they plan to be heading towards next season and and make their decisions there. So staying with the whole St. Louis thing, Dom, um, I was listening to a podcast with an Emily Benjamin, NHL writer, uh, NHL.com writer was on, I think it was NHL on ice. The uh, very good Mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, And um, they mentioned that if the Boston Bruins were to, look for an addition on the wing. Ivan Babashov was one uh, that they really, really uh, hampered on to get because of his familiarity with uh, former former Blues coach Jim Montgomery. Um, So, I mean, there's always ties there that are going to bring you back. But also there was, you know, what what do you do with Noel Achari? I mean, he's got familiarity with Boston, period. And he knows a lot of the current players right here. I think he'd be a really good fit. His offensive game really got better because he was able to get into better roles with teams like Florida higher up in the lineup. Um, and he's got nine goals this year, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a potential addition right there, like you said, at the trade deadline. But it's also moves that I think are motivating. It's not just somebody that we don't really know and that that person doesn't know the coach and so on. But there's familiarity in, in both situations that I think could work if Craig Smith's number was taken away and and his uh, his roster spot. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be against acquiring either one. Uh, this is an all all in situation for the Boston Bruins. There's just no way they cannot be all in, and uh, I think either one would help the team. But I would, 
In a way, I would give way to Jim Montgomery and his feelings as to which one he thinks, like you said, he knows Barbashev, right? He doesn't know uh, Achari. But I, I, I think I would go towards my what my coach's feeling is. And, and look, we all know Bruce Cassidy didn't like to get involved in these, these types of discussions in player personnel. Uh, I think you absolutely have to trust Montgomery here and say, is he the guy, is Barbashev the guy that can put our fourth line over the top? Uh, because let's face it, I would you would put the Bruins' first line up against anybody, right? You would put their second line up against anybody else's second line, even their third line. You would put them up against the majority of third lines of, in the NHL. But that fourth line, as currently constructed, I think you're okay with Noshik. I think you're okay with Felino, but that right side um, really needs an upgrade. It, I know there's people that say the defense is, is where the upgrade is needed, but to roll four lines, you need that fourth line upgrade. And, you know, I'll, I'll go to my grave thinking that if they don't, don't win the cup and they don't upgrade that fourth line. Several other teams have in the past, and, and it's been successful for them. Tampa yeah. Bay, i.e., you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Barbashev mostly plays – I'm mostly on the left side. Um, and it looks like he's going to be about uh, a million, and it costs about a million and a half against the cap more than Achari would. I mean, I my only thing with Achari is, is you know, Jim Montgomery doesn't know him too well, but you know, the de facto coach, as as Jim Montgomery has pointed out sometimes, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, they know him, and yeah. and that's yeah. that that carries a lot of weight too because. You know, if Jim Montgomery is is at intermission saying, hey, Patrice, you, you know, you talk to the guys. This is your locker room. Um, and Bergeron says, you know, get get some cap relief. If we can get some cap relief, I want you to bring in Nolachari. I think that that's something. Obviously, that's not Montgomery's decision, but I think that that's something he would certainly back and support yeah. coming from who it's coming from, you know. And that's a good point to make, Steve. Absolutely bang on. Thank you. That's why he's now, here. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not worried about Barbashev playing mostly on the left because we know Felino can move to the right. right? Yeah, that's so, true. Not a, not Frederick. A Frederick's the same thing. Frederick's been yep. um, a, tra- a traditional center since he's been drafted, playing in, in at Wisconsin and playing in um, in Providence. Comes to the NHL level, and now he's just going through all three um, yep. positions up in the forward. So. It's good to have like uh, that versatility sometimes. I think that yeah. the versatility has been so successful in this Boston Bruins organization because uh, you, it allows you to mismatch your lines when things aren't working out. Now, I'm curious what you guys, I know you're supposed to be guiding the show, Steve, but I want to show this at you is sure. because I see a lot of people saying the Bruins need to upgrade the defense and um I just don't see it. I'm curious to get your opinions on it. Well, I, I think that they have the depth. Um, and I think that, I mean, I, I've always been a Connor Clifton fan, but that's partially because I also went to Quinnipiac and I sort of got my start calling Quinnipiac games when he was there. And um, so I got a little bit of a soft spot for him. I mean, my only, the only guy that, 
that I have questions on is Grizzly because I just in the playoffs they've come across bigger, meaner, stronger, tougher teams, and Grizzly gets hurt relatively often, and he's just super undersized and. You know, we talked about Carlo. You know, Carlo is a big dude, and even though he doesn't play physical, he can still be big when he has to be. And and um, you know, I love Jacka Sean down in in Providence, but again, he's just he's so undersized. Um, you know, if if you can get, I mean, Derek Forbort is not a world beater. This guy isn't. He's no Kale McCarr, but you also you if you get anywhere near the front of the net, you're gonna know he's there. You know, and yeah. and the pucks go into the, into the corners. He might not be the first one there, but he's he's strong and physical enough to get the puck and and take it from you and move it up the ice. And you talked about the strength of Carlo. Um, you know, Grizzly is great on the power play. He's great at at breaking out the puck. Um, but you have that in Hampus Lindholm. You have that in Charlie McAvoy. So the need for for years it was the need of a of a puck moving defenseman on the power play and on the breakouts and now they have a bunch of them and i i don't know if 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 you could give me matt grizzlick that was six inches taller uh and you know had had 25 extra pounds on him i i'd take that um but that would sort of be where my only question is 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 just getting a little bit a little bit bigger meaner tougher on that back end yeah i'm i'm on the okay. same boat okay good no, no, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. I'll ask my question of both of you after. So I'm in the kind of the same boat. Um, I'm not a Grizzly hater, and I know Steve didn't say he was either, but there are valid concerns about his game. Uh, defensively, I, I sometimes I think he gets caught out of position a lot, but when he gets the puck and it's it's in transition, those are real positive things that you see. He really snaps the puck around. Looks for the um, the stretch pass a lot because he can move it really fast. Um, you know, more or less, I'd really want to see if there was an upgrade to be made. I would want to see something like that. But as of right now, it's really, I don't know. I'm kind of in the hole. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But that terminology can always change when it comes down to a seven-game series in the playoffs. And, you know, it, it, everything gets that much tougher the grind gets harder, especially in front of the net and around the, in the dirty areas. And I kind of have to agree that I would like to see a little bit of an upgrade. But um, if, it, if it's if it's a panic at the trade deadline, then we, do, we try to go for it. But other than that, I don't know. It's, it's kind of kind of at a wait and see what happens uh, from here until March 3rd, basically. If Grizzly were to go down, Jacob Zaboral is your number seven. Mike Riley is your number eight. Now, are you guys talking about improving on your or upgrading on your number seven and number eight? Or are you talking about improving on Matt Grizzlick, who is playing on your top pair with Charlie McAvoy? And if you're talking about uh, improving on Matt Grizzlick, then why isn't Matt Grizzlick the one that we're trading? I have seen really not much from Zaboral that makes me think that he is a a top a consistent bona fide top four top six defenseman on this team. Um, Mike Riley again another another puck moving defenseman that hasn't seemed to work out over the last year. Um, I don't think that you can move either one of those guys for a top four defenseman and then tell Grizzly, you know, 
hey, we're gonna, you know, you're, we're gonna put you up on the ninth floor. I, I don't, I think he's earned the right to not be put in that position. Um, okay. But I, you know, I mean, I, I mentioned Clifton. I, I, I love the way he plays. I don't think he can physically do that for eighty-two plus games. I, it just he's he's he plays bigger than he is. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm every time he smashes somebody, I'm I'm thinking he's gonna get the worst of it because again, he's. You know, he. I feel he plays bigger than he is, and Grizzly plays smaller than he is. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that the only you can't bench Grizzly. I think he's he's too respected. He's had too much time. He's proven he can play at this level. So I would think you're either moving Grizzly and improving that position, or you're moving Zaboral for maybe a pick and and a seventh or eighth guy. But I don't think you can move you can move Zaboral for an upgrade on Grizzly and then tell Grizzly to hit the bricks. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm on the same, I'm on the kind of the same page. It's like, if you're going to move any of the lower depth guys, the seventh and eighth defensemen, you're going to have to sweeten those deals. And that's, that's something that you do not want to do in a Boston Bruins organization that seriously, desperately needs to replenish the prospect pool. I understand Providence is doing very well sitting in the second place in the Atlantic and maybe even second or third in the conference. But still, the forward progression of this organization still needs to build from the youth. And giving away draft picks or giving away players to sweeten deals and get rid of players, it's just not ideal in my opinion. Oh, did Dom freeze up on us? Oh, no, no. Okay. I'm just um, I'm trying to absorb everything. <laughs> You know, I, 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 Steve, I talk to fans every day and it, I'd like to absorb what you guys say and then, uh, you know, try and work it into what I believe. Right. And well, what I, do you I think mean, we're, on, we're on the same page. Like I said, I, I, I think the need is to improve that fourth line. I would like some defensive depth. Yes. But we're talking depth. That means a number seven or number eight guy. I'm not talking depth with the forward. I'm talking guy who steps in and plays a regular shift on that fourth line, right? Each and every game. Um, uh, So that's where I disagree with most fans. I'm with you on the Grizzly has earned the respect, Steve, and, and deserves to be in there. And um, I firmly believe in 2019 had he not gone down, the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. Um, I really do. But he went down yet again. And, you know, do we want to be in that situation in 2023? Uh, and 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 Mark will tell you, and when you talk about the, the fourth line, I, I just want somebody else that can that can routinely kill penalties because at the rate that mm-hmm. this team's getting penalties, and when your two best penalty killers are Bergeron and Marchand, who are also your your best forwards and your best power play guys, having them kill a zillion penalties is just a waste of ice time. I mean, it's it's yep. it, it's nice to have them kill them, but they need they need relief. They can't be out there killing four or five penalties a game. Like you just so you know, I know Nosha can do it, Felino can do it, um, but when they are your top penalty killing unit and your top power play unit and your top first line that's it's too much it's too much and so i'm i would like somebody there that can really take over a penalty killing unit um and that can relieve bergeron and marchand of those duties as much as they can 
So I'm with you on that. Right, because I mean, they've done it with Coil to try and relieve some of that that time. Uh, even Jake DeBrusque to try and relieve some of that time. But like you say, it's too much for to for them. I'd rather have Marshan and Bergeron out there during key offensive situations uh, than key defensive situations. All right, uh, Mark. Well, what do you say we uh, what do you say we get to some calls uh, again? If you want to give us a ring any time, day or night, uh, you can give us a call at nine seven eight five zero four two seven two seven. You can leave us a voicemail if you have questions. You got hot takes. Uh, you can reach out to us and we can play them back on the show and uh, and answer your questions or take your hot takes. But we do have three calls um, that we love to get to. So, Mark, if you're ready, uh, we can fire those off. Yeah, this is voicemail number one. I'm sorry I didn't have time to grab get, grab the name right now and mention you, but you'll hear the, who it came from right now. Hey, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. It's Chris from L.A. with another very brief question. Uh, mine's about Marshawn. Um, I just, uh, this is the day after the Columbus game, and I thought he's you know he's been playing good lately, but just not up to his usual greatness. I know there was some mention about his conditioning coming off the hip surgery, but it seems like it's almost maybe a little bit more than that. So what are the options there, and, and when should we start to worry that it's not just he needs to get his conditioning up, but a little something more? All right, thanks, guys. Interesting question. Um, the Marshan is like one of those up-and-down players. It's a double hip surgery that he had. I know that there's a lot more that he – I mean, he's not – I don't believe he's at 100%. Um, but I'm, I'm still taking 85% Marshan on any, any of my teams any day, all day. The guy's just a crafty forward. He moves very well. Um, me, the most frustrating thing is the turnovers that he, that he gives up, uh, crosses the blue line, cuts, waits for layers to come in, but more or less kind of like the backhand right to another player. And then this transition the other way. Um, and I don't know, it's just, Maybe those I'm nitpicking a little bit, but I don't think that Marshan's really been playing that bad that we need to explore other options as, as Chris might've mentioned. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that it could only get better here uh, when he's working with Bergeron and Dick on that top line. That's just my thought. What about you, Dom? What do you think about, uh, about Marshan up to this oh. uh, point in the season? Yeah, I, number one, uh, there is no other option. Um, uh, number two, um, yeah, he missed training camp. He missed uh, the start of the season. So conditioning could be a problem. Uh, but three, and I think we'll answer some of Mark's questions about his giveaways and stuff. Um, double hip surgery, man. I, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed, the difference in Brad Marchand, is that his edges aren't there like they have been in previous years. Um, we, I, I've seen it start to come back the last couple of games where he can uh, turn on a dime, uh, swivel on a dime, uh, elude the, the checker on a dime. It's starting to come back to him slowly but surely. And I... I think when he gets that back, he'll be elusive Brad Marchand like he was before. And he won't be in those situations where he's putting the puck in the wrong place, uh, as Mark says, for those for those turnovers. So 
I'm not worried. I think it's just a timing thing with Brad. And, um, you know, once he gets his edges back, I, I think he's going to – Oh, let's face it, double hip surgery, man. That's yeah. a lot to come back from. So it's going to take some time. Yeah, and and let's remember, just based on the way that the team is playing on the whole and where they are in the standings, he, he can kind of afford to pick his spots. Um, but coming off of that surgery, I mean, if they were down in the basement or they were fighting, you know, for an eight spot, we would be expecting a lot more out of him. Um, but I think that just based on the fact that everyone else is playing so well, um, he does have, as you said, Dom, the opportunity to, to have a bit of a feeling out process coming back from the surgery. And again, I looked at the Columbus game, you know, again, he played two minutes, uh, almost two full minutes of shorthanded time, which again, you know. He played two. Uh, Bergeron played uh, almost three. So, you know, uh, I think, like you said, Mark, um, excuse me, Dom, when, when you said he has that swagger, when we know he's on, he's got this swagger on the ice and he's shaking yep. guys just for fun, just to embarrass them. Um, I haven't seen a lot of that. But again, I, I think, like you said, it, it's it's uh, it's it's not easy to come back from physically. Uh, he came back sooner than he was expected to come back. And I think that this is, for lack of a better term, you know, getting sent down to the AHL for conditioning or having a training camp. He doesn't get any of that. So he has to, um, like, like I said, kind of pick his spots where where he's going to go 85%. He's going to go 75%, yep. you know, because um, that's just the only way to sort of get back from this. All right, uh, Chris from LA. Thanks for your call. We really appreciate it. Uh, Mark, do you know who's up next, or will we? Uh... I do not. I just have it listed as voicemail number two. Spin so the we'll wheel. Out, spin the wheel and see who it is. Yeah, this is Rick. I'm calling from Colorado, and I uh, appreciate you guys uh, keeping me posted. Um, my question is: with uh, having a little bit of money, you know, I see a lot of ridiculous uh, trade rumors, but what are some realistic possibilities of the Bruins being able to upgrade their roster come trade deadline? Thank you. Colorado. Thank you. Yeah, Colorado. We got listeners all worldwide. Worldwide, awesome. baby. I think we, we've pretty I much touched it. on a lot of the, the uh, realistic and unrealistic trades. Uh, throughout the program right now. Um, but we do thank Rick for the phone call. Uh, Dom, did you want to add something to this? Yeah, um, Rick, I'm not sure that we're seeing trade rumors. I think what you're seeing is trade proposals made by other fans. Um, uh, the only rumor I know of uh, that the Boston Bruins are in is that they're trying to move Craig Smith for salary cap space to do something at a later date so um yeah let's not get trade proposals by fans confused with actual rumors um and you'll feel a lot better about yourself uh when you can separate the two yeah the only thing i would do is i would do eight Eight years, eighty-eight million for number eighty-eight. I just, I get it done. I think it's time to get pasta signed. I think that's that's it's too cute. People love cutesy tootsy stuff. Eight years, eighty-eight million for eighty-eight. Get that done before you do anything else. That would be my top priority. All right, all right. Number three. All right, spin the wheel. We got number three. Hey guys, it's Caroline down in Albany, your favorite New York 
Boston fan. Um, I was just listening to the podcast, and I have got to give you a real hard time about something you said about Bergeron, um, about one more year. If, God willing, we go all the way this year, there is no way he is coming back next year. You all had to have watched Seinfeld back in the day. Like, this is where he goes out on top. Good night, everybody. There's no way. Uh, so, of course, I'm torn. I want him to come back, but I want the cup. So, uh, just giving you guys a hard time. As always, love the show. Talk to you soon. Bye. I think that was the, uh, was that the jerk store episode of Seinfeld? So the jerk store yeah. calls are running out of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, if they win, I expect him to go out on top. If I wouldn't be surprised if Krejci did the same, uh, which would be two obviously massive holes. But I, I, the expectations change over the course of the season. And I think right now the expectations are to get to a cup finals. At least that's what I have uh, based on what we're looking at here to this point in the season. And if they come up anything short of that, I, and Bergeron's playing well and he's healthy and he doesn't have punctured lungs and broken ribs and everything else. Um, I, I would hope that, that his internal clock would tell him that he's got one more year left. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know what his situation is, but that would be my, my hope, right. As a fan, that's what I would hope. I disagree. I, I would, with, with the caller, I, I would bet, just about everything I own that win or lose, Patrice Bergeron will be back next season. And, Ooh. you know, a lot has been said about why Bergeron was contemplating uh, retirement and so on and so forth. Mark, I told you last summer, and I made you yep. swear to keep it between us as to yep. why he was contemplating retirement. And it came out and this year. And it came out in the news this year, never said that he was contemplating retirement because of it. But the reason why I told you actually came out this year. Without putting that out there, I, I, I would be absolutely shocked if Patrice Bergeron is not back for another year, uh, win or lose. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm just happy Dom took the whole deflection away from me. <laughs> I know. Um, oh, no, but no, we love Caroline. She's a great caller and a great, great supporter of ours. Um, and that's Caroline with a K. She's awesome. Uh, but, but more or less, I was just saying, if it doesn't happen, I, I think that she might have gotten me. I got maybe I even got a little tongue tied because it does happen. And maybe I just uh, it confused a few listeners. But I was saying, basically, if they don't do it, this year that is when the cup that he would most likely be coming back because that window is still just a little bit open for a player like him to, to, uh, to, to leave on a high note, but I'm, I'm, I'm totally with Dom on, on this one, you know, regardless of it, win a loss, it, he comes back for another year. I'm totally involved in that. I love that idea. I'd love to see him stay. And I think, I think the center depth uh, throughout the organization is pretty good, but I don't think a guy like, like Johnny Beecher is ready yet. So I think maybe one more year for some of those younger prospects that, like you said, Providence is cooking. Um, and, and especially at forward, I think they have some pretty good forward depth down there, but I think we, they might be a year or two away. And I think this off season, if they lost a Krejci and a Bergeron, they would need some one year plugs to 
fill those roles. Um, and so I, I'd like to see at least one, if not both of them back for another year uh, to help, you know, that trickle down effect to where the people, the, the players who need that, uh, you know, that minor league or that collegiate or that junior hockey experience can still do it without getting thrown up into, into the, uh, into the NHL. So that would be my hope. Proper development is always the thing that I go by. It is no need to rush many. I mean, if unless you're like a first round pick, you're a McDavid and so on, then that's warranted that you're probably going to be an NHL player immediately. But these days, it's all about proper development. It's about getting your systems into the the heads of these young kids. And I'm all for it. Like I'm not I'm not on board with everybody saying that Fabian Lysel, once he comes back from the the World Juniors up in Halifax, that he he's deserving of a spot on on the on the nhl roster i think that he's a tremendous talent he's fast he's creative but he still needs to work on his game away from the puck and he's working with a a very very good veteran down in providence right now and that guy's name and he's leading the points uh uh, in all points is Vinny letary him letary has been working with uh georgia merculoff on the left and fabian lysel on the right all year long that line has not been split up obviously with Lysel in the world's juniors he's not there but it's been a very productive line and I think that Fabian's learning a lot from Letary a guy who has been in the NHL and has been uh you know an American Hockey League player for a while as well but those are the type of veterans you want to absorb the information off of you just don't want to throw them right up in the NHL and just see what happens I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I agree on Lysel. I mean, I took a lot of heat from Bruins fans um, after Game One of the of the World Junior Championships when oh. Sweden won eleven nothing and Lysel didn't get a point. And I said, you know, I I hate to say it, but he's just not ready. I mean, it, he he was consistent consistently Sweden's last man back. Um, didn't put the effort to come back, yet being uh, probably the best skater on Team Sweden. And it's like I'm getting responses like, nobody cares about an 11-0 game. Actually, you know what? They do. Like, I talk to scouts. I talk to NHL scouts. And, you know, their biggest thing is they want to see the same effort in an 11-0 game when you're up or down as they do in a three to two game. That's how scouts determine uh, your, your work ethic, your competitiveness, uh, being the same person player in an 11, nothing game as you are in a three, two game, whether you're up or down. So yeah, I'm, you know, I, I hate calling people out, but, that's the reality of it. Um, and Lysel just wasn't there. And I, I, I even closed my comments with, uh, by saying, I'm not worried. I think he's a smart enough player and a committed enough player to eventually get it. But still, I took a lot of heat for saying what I said. And it was fact. Everybody was talking about this great game he had despite not putting up points. And I saw something totally different. Yeah, same here. Same here. There's, he's still developing. He's a Euro that is is in his second full, uh, full season 
over in North America. There's mm-hmm. a lot of adjustments that need to be made. And we're seeing it from several different prospects that have played European hockey and coming over here into the NCAA. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a pro. It's a pro- it's a process of patience. Fans yeah. are so they're the shiny new toy. They're like, oh, I want that. I want that. I want that. You know, and it's yeah, like, let's no, go to McDonald's. Just, let's go. Yeah, get our yeah. food. It's just like be patient. Be you know, d- believe in the process. And and like I said earlier, it's it's all about proper development these days. It's not about getting the guy in and seeing if he's a bust or not. It's about learning the systems and 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 just being around this young player and 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 letting him evolve into his game. Like I don't want to, you know, the 2015 draft is always going to hamper this this Boston Bruins organization. But what it did for players like. Jake Dabrowski and, and Jakob Zaboral is it? It just it, it inbred what the it means to be a Boston Bruin from the minor levels up to the NHL. And I know Jakob mm-hmm. is not, uh, Jacob is not always a consistent player at the NHL level, but still, it's all about how he's taking it and how he's delivering it. Yeah, and and fans need need to remember that for every one David Pasternak, there's 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 five or ten Jacob Forsback of Carlson's. So yeah. you know. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's same thing in Providence. He'll go one period, you know, play in Springfield and he'll go one period where he's the best player on the ice. And then he'll go another period where he's, he's invisible. I never see him. So, um, you know, patience is a virtue with these guys. And sometimes, and a lot of times, and this is no slight or, or anything towards Lysel cause it, but it's up to him. You know, it's up to, it's up to the player. He'll, he's going to get the coaching. He's going to get the playing time. He's going to get the leadership like you said, from a guy like Vinny Letary, um, at the end of the day, it's up to the player. And, and uh, you know, the, the fours back at Carlson's, uh, you know, those guys are a dime a dozen. And so this is, a, I think, it's a pretty critical time for a player like this um, at this point to, to figure out where he is and what he wants to be. And I have all the confidence in the world that he will. I think he's, uh, I, I say this in a good way, I think he's a, he's a cocky little kid. Um, oh, yeah. some of the things I've, some of the things I've heard him say to other players, oh, yeah. like in the penalty box and stuff, he's, he's, he's confident that's for sure, which is good in a good way. Um, but you know, it's, it, it turning the corner. This is a big point in his development, I think. And like Dom said, you're, uh, you know, in an 11, nothing game, you, you still got to be the best player on the ice. You still have to impose your dominance and your will on players that aren't as good as you. And, um, you know, we'll see if that we'll see if that starts to develop over the next over the next day, the next week, the next month, right? I mean, one game at a time for this kid. Wow. Well, this has been great. Uh, I mean, uh, what do you guys think? I know we still got some stuff in here. I know Dom. We don't want to work Dom too hard. I know you're, you're sort of under the weather here. Um, we got uh, some games coming up here. Obviously, uh, they'll play Buffalo today at uh, one o'clock. Which again, we're hoping we don't overlook them. Although Buffalo is a uh, a fun team to watch, and Tage Thompson uh, just when Man, I saw him last year, and when I saw him in Rochester last year, he looked like a baby deer on the ice. He just yeah. kind of lanky, and and now he's just grown into his body, and he's just absolutely outstanding, um, and a blast to watch. So uh, Buffalo, much like Ottawa, could be a real problem here in the next couple of years. Um, certainly interesting to watch. Uh, the Winter Classic uh, again. I hate to. Hate to be that guy, but I, I think Pittsburgh's uniform is also outstanding. 
I had something about that mm-hmm. old P that it's just, it's a sweet yep. looking logo. So um, at Fenway, it's going to be aesthetically pleasing again, that game Monday at two o'clock and then uh, a good opportunity for the Bruins to sort of put all the madness from the winter classic aside as they head out West um, starting on Thursday uh, against LA San Jose and Anaheim. So um, again, the Kings play them well, San Jose plays them well, Anaheim, we know what they are, but um, to be a good opportunity for the Bruins to figure out sort of who they are here as we head into the new year. So uh, lots to look forward to and lots to be happy about as a Bruins fan coming out of 2022. Um, I certainly didn't expect this kind of start when you look at the season and McAvoy was out at the beginning of the year. Marshan was out uh, so many holes to fill. And yet uh, we didn't know what Pavel Zaka was going to be coming out of that Eric Halla trade. Um, all Mark's been borderline uh borderline historically good um yeah so it's been a lot to look forward a lot of a lot of good things coming out of it and a lot to look forward to on the next uh next year you're not looking past today no that's good they can't either i'll tell you why because you you we know what the bruins did in the first 18 games of the and we heard all the, I hate using nasty language, but we heard all the bullshit uh, stuff about um, how the Bruins had a weak schedule and, uh, uh, you know, they played a terrible team and blah, 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 blah. All the excuses that you could think of. And then we started to hear about how they were never going to repeat that through the next 18 games and so on and so forth. And, oh, now we're hearing about, oh, you know, you know, they had to go against a Colorado team that was injured or just excuse after excuse. But nobody talked about, they, they weren't talking about, yeah, the Bruins went on a 16-2 and run, 16-2 and run. And they were missing for Charlie McAvoy. They were missing... Brad Marchand, they were missing Matt Grizzlick. Uh, Brandon Carlo was out for a while in that span. David Krejci was out for a while in that span. You know, like injuries happen. You need to play what's put in front of you, the games that are in front of you. And, and I mean, how come Ottawa was, was, was uh, able to beat Boston twice in, in the 31 games and, and, Almost everybody else couldn't beat them once, right? Uh, so, like, you know, it's the games in front of you, people. So, we look at these eighteen game second set of eighteen games, and they're. I put out at the start of it said, "Would you be happy if the Bruins went twelve six and zero oh, in these next eighteen? And they're what twelve two and three or something like that, thirteen two and three. Um, you know, so they're exactly where they were in the first 18 games, minus three points, depending on what happens today. Um, I'm just wondering what excuse is going to be put up. And I'm not talking about fans. These are actual hockey media people that are talking, putting some of this crap out there. So, um, you know, go read The Athletic or go listen to The Fan 590 in Toronto uh, when in actual fact, 
you should be listening to this podcast and get the real stuff. Ooh. I was going to say, Dom, is, is it is it just a the fact that the you know Canadians hate the Bruins? Canadian you know media people just they hate the Bruins. Whether they're going back to going back to Mike Milbury or going back to Bobby Orr or, or I don't or know, Steve. Matt's, I really don't know because they hate Jack Edwards. It's like I, I honestly don't know what it is because the Bruins actually have. A very good following in Canada. You go to Atlanta, Canada, the Bruins are huge, man. Yep. Um, you know, I lived three years in Vancouver, um, British Columbia, and yeah, it's Vancouver country, but the number of Bruins fans that I run into there, um, unbelievable. I, I, I can tell you that the fans are th- spread throughout the country. So, with the exception of Leaf fans and, and Canuck fans, it's 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 not the fans that are saying it. It's the media. Uh, even Habs fans, you know, I respect Montreal Canadian fans. Uh, I have as much respect for them as, as anybody because they understand the game. And whether they may not like it or not, uh, they know that this Bruins team is is – is on a historical run, and they're not going to put out crap out there about them because they're on it. They're going to respect them for it. That's right. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Mark. Uh, and, Dom, it's great to finally uh, have you on board, and and um, I find you so fascinating, and um, um, you're such a wealth of knowledge and information. This has been uh, so good to have you back. And, Mark, do you have any uh, closing uh, closing words? Yeah, as 2022 comes to a close on this podcast and with our uh, Black and Gold uh, production sports media company, I want to say thanks. I, I, I Ultimately, I want to say thanks to the listeners, uh, the supporters that retweet our, our content all the time, uh, and everybody at BNG, including Steve Fiorni and, and, and Dom um, and Kevin O'Keefe, who joined both Dom and Kevin joined us in 2022. Uh, and I believe really took this show to a, 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 a different level. Um, and I really appreciate the hard work and so on, regardless of, of, of health issues and, and other stuff like that. You guys are like family to me. And, um, and I don't care. You know, I, I'm just so happy that Tom had the time and the health uh, to join us today and talk some Boston Bruins hockey. But uh, like I said, I just really just want to say thanks to everybody who's been really supportive and, um, and uh, I just really want to uh, mention that I hope 2023 is good for everybody. My dad, Dom, anybody else uh, struggling health-wise or with uh, other issues, I think I just really hope that uh, next year is, is more beneficial to everybody uh, all around. So uh, that's it for me. Um, I, I cannot wait to the Winter Classic on, on Monday afternoon. I'm really stoked about that. Uh, the Buffalo game today, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped and ready to go. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. And again, Dom, I cannot thank you enough for the time today. You've been a, a great, great person uh, throughout the years, but even better um, to this uh, this production um, in the past year. Uh, appreciate the kind words, fellas. I just want to wish both of you a, and everybody who's listening. Uh, I know it'll be too late for them to, to hear it, but be safe today, whatever your plans are for tonight. Uh, whether you're celebrating closing out uh, 2022 or celebrating bringing in 2023, 
just do it in a safe manner because uh, I want to do this again sometime next week, you know, uh, and love it. It's about taking care of yourself today so we can do it again in the future. Safe, healthy, and uh, whichever whichever day, year you're celebrating tonight, just do it in a safe manner. Absolutely. It's great, Tom. Yeah, well don't said. be a don't be a news story. As I like to say, don't be a news story on a yep. on a New Year's Day. So um yeah, so definitely peace and love to everybody on uh, on this New Year's Eve. And uh we look forward to, to getting right back at it in 2023. It's exciting. So um thanks everybody. Episode three eleven. Uh fantastic. Uh thanks as always, Mark, Dom, and uh we look forward to doing it again next week. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.